And here we go. Okay, so welcome back. I'm glad we're, we're here. Um, we are starting chapter 26, super exciting. We have um, finished a really difficult section. What we're gonna do is we haven't done this in a while. So I think it'll be really good for us to do a little refresher um, on what we've learned so far so that we have like a big cohesive picture and then we can go on to the next section with a really great foundation, okay? So really in some ways, Tanya could have finished after chapter 25 and we could be done. We've got the tools we needed. We've, we, we, really, we really know what, what's expected of us and the tools to use to get there. So really we could be done, but obviously the Tanya is not done. And the question is, why and what are we what are we doing in these next couple chapters? So to review, chapter one, we learned about the duality of our nature, right? We learned that we have two souls and the fact that we always feel conflicted is not because we're crazy, it's because that's how we were designed. We were designed to have two opposing forces in, within us, okay? Chapter two, we learned about the godly soul and um, what its drive is. What's the godly soul's drive? Just to quickly refresh, right? Self-annihilation, right? A godly soul's drive is to constantly reconnect with its source. Chapter three, we learned about the composition of the soul, right? What's the composition of the soul? We have 10 faculties, right? 10 faculties are divided into two sections, intellectual and emotional, right? I'm gonna do this super fast because this is just a review and we have a lot to cover. Um, so three intellectual faculty, seven emotional. Chapter four, we talked about the garments of the soul, the modes of expression. So now we have the faculties. How is the soul expressing those powers, right? Thought, speech, and action. And we went in a, a lot of in-depth discussion how thought is a behavior, right? Remember all that talk we had about our mind and thoughts, right? You can't control what you think about you can't control what you think of, but you can control what you think about, right? Like, remember all that? Chapter five, we learned about Torah study. Food, what's the food of the soul? What fuels the soul, right? Chapter six, we learned about the composition of the animal soul. So whatever the godly soul has, the animal soul has, but just, it's all about what the intention of the use is, right? So same same faculties, same powers, same modes of expression, just used in a more selfish way and, and instead of a more godly way, okay? Chapter seven and eight, we learned about um, klipa, right? The different shells within, our, within ourselves and within the world, right? And we learned that 99% of the world is what? Neutral, right? And we have the power to either elevate it or demote it. Um, very few things are inherently holy and very few things are inherently evil. But not, so, and we learned about, well, what is unholy? God tells us that it's unholy and it's set and by the shell, right? And the opacity of the shell. And he's, and God says, don't even try to elevate it, right? It's like the no trust, but we're talking about the no trespassing. So don't even try to elevate the things that are unholy. They're not elevatable, made up a word. Um, okay, so that was chapter seven and eight. 
chapter nine, we learned about the small city, right? Each of us are a small city. We have two kings vying for complete control, our animal soul and our godly soul, right? Then chapter 10, we learned about the tzaddik and how, he, how, the, how the war and the small city plays out in a tzaddik. Either it is, it completely defeats the um, enemy or, or it totally transforms, right? Uh, remember we learned a, a complete tzaddik not only just defeats the enemy, it transforms the enemy. So now it has two godly souls working for him, right? Um, chapter 11, we learned about the Russia. What is the definition of Russia? It is not evil. Russia, first of all, most of the people in this world fall into the Russia category. Remember, it's a huge category. A Russia, you can sin once in your life or multiple times a day, right? It's a big, big category. What it means to be a Russia is somebody who doesn't have complete control, right? So if you say, oh, I only sin once in a while or sometimes it doesn't matter. You do not have complete control of your behaviors. That's a Russia. Then chapter 12 to 14, we started learning about the Bainani, which is the whole point of, of this book, right? Because we're Bainanis in training. We are, that's our goal. Is our goal to be a tzaddik? No. Okay. Our goal is to be a Bainani. What's a Bainani? A Bainani is somebody who has perfect behaviors, but a conflict inside, right? So inside, he still isn't perfect. He has imperfect thoughts and imperfect desires and struggles, but he has perfect behaviors, okay? Then we moved on to, well, first 12 to 14, 15, we learned about the Bainani that doesn't, doesn't have to work hard, remember? And we said, what is service? Service is effort. In order to serve God, it, you have to work hard. It has to be effort. So the Bainani who isn't working hard, we have to push him, right? Remember we talked about like sir, F, service is effort. Effort equals service. Then chapter 16 and 17, now that we know what a Bainani is and now we know that that's our goal, then we need tools on how to get there. So the first tool we were, tool we were introduced to was Moach Shal Dal Halev, impulse control right? All about the impulse control. Then eight, and then, um, which, which is um, basically changing yourself through meditation, okay? Changing yourself through meditation, impulse control. Um, 18 to 25, that's what we just did, um, was what happens if you cannot wait for internal changes, right? Meditation takes a very long time. What do we do? We need something immediate. And that's where we talked about um, Ava Musiteras, the latent love that we're trying to arouse. And we went into a big, long discussion about where this latent love comes from. How does it work? Um, when can we em employ it? Um, the, the unity of God, right? We went into a long, lengthy discussion of all these really deep concepts, but we have now passed that. And now, okay, so what do we want? Like, it feels like we really have what we need, right? One through eight, we have our knowledge of our human condition, right? And the way 
that we look at the world, right? One through eight gave us a whole new vocabulary of how we look at the world and how we understand our own composition. Nine through 15 basically was teaching us how to control ourselves, right? Like how to, how to achieve perfect behaviors. 16 to 17 was slowly change yourself, right? Once you have impulse control under impulse control under control, then we wanna change our insides. We want our emotions to match with our actions as much as we can. 16, um, so that was 16 to 17. 11, uh, 18 to 25 was quickly change yourself, right? How do we quickly um, arouse that Ava Masutara so we are in line with our behaviors, right? So what else do we need, okay? So um, we were given um, this goal of behavioral perfection, okay? And we were given the tools to attain that goal, right? And we have three tools, we've learned three tools so far. We learned impulse control, the first definition of we learned to slowly change your emotions through meditation, which is the second definition of and then we have your arouse your latent love, right? So we have three tools to get us there. So what are, what, what is the, what are, why are we continuing? What, what are we, what are we doing now? Okay. It seems like we've have, it, have it covered. This is a perfect system. If we follow this system, we will get to where we need to go. It's a, it works, right? It's a perfect system, but what's the problem? So we're not perfect people, right? So we are going to come across obstacles, okay? So the next, I don't know, I think it's 26 through 34 is going to be troubleshooting. We're gonna be troubleshooting. What happens if there are obstacles that doesn't allow us to follow this perfect plan, then what? What do we do if we have an obstacle that's not allowing us to follow this plan, okay? So one through 25 is a perfect system, but we don't live in a perfect world. So we need tools and we need guidance on how to address obstacles that come our way because we are going to have them. This is why I keep telling you that Tanya is a practical book, right? It could have ended now. We could have been done because we have a plan. But the Tanya and Altareba understands that we don't live in a perfect world and we're going to come across things that are going to throw us off, right? And are going to derail us. So what do we do when that happens? Okay. And that's what the section is we're getting into right now. Okay. Is it possible to say slowly rather Hebrew? way of impulse. Okay. Yes. I will, um, type in the chat box in English. Um, Moach, I hope I'm typing it right, but you'll get the idea. It's auto correcting me, obviously, because, uh, Moach. auto correcting me. It's not like letting me type it. How do you get rid of auto correct? Okay. One second. Moach. Lit X Alev. Okay, there we go. Um, okay, so here we are. Um, there are um, so. We are gonna have, so we're gonna have obstacles, okay? We're gonna have a lot of obstacles 
Um, and it's going to fall under the category of usually some inner emotional turmoil. Okay. That's the thing that's going to get us the most. Okay. So 26 through 34 is all about getting us emotionally healthy. Guys, this was written in the 1700s. The altar of us telling us that we cannot get to where we want to get if we're not emotionally healthy. We will not make progress. We will not achieve our goals if we are not emotionally healthy. Okay. So even though one through 25 is a perfect system, right? With tools that will work, but if you're not emotionally healthy, you will not be able to implement them. Okay. You will lack the motivation and drive to go down this path. So negative emotions, um, what we're going to deal with now is negative emotions, okay? That could derail us. Chapter 26 is going to deal specifically with depression, okay? So just a little bit of a disclaimer. We're not talking about clinical depression that has a, like, that's a brain chemistry issue, okay? That is not the topic of conversation. We're talking about depression that is situational depression, okay? You're sad, you're down, you're depressed about a situation. It's not a chemical imbalance, okay? So if you have any questions about that, that's a different discussion. Right now we're talking about situational depression. We're just not, we're feeling sad. We're not motivated, we're depressed, okay? So the Tanya starts with a parable. And he's, this is the parable that the Tanya writes in the, in the chapter. There is a wrestler, like a wrestler, um, that is the best in his field. He is way um, far and beyond his opponent. His capabilities are, he's way better than his opponent, right? So it's, it seems obvious that going into this match that he's for sure gonna win. He's, he's more skilled, he's better, he's, it's just, he, he, he should win, right? The problem is, is that on the day of the match, the wrestler wakes up in a bad place. He isn't feeling good in his, he's emotionally struggling, he's feeling down, he doesn't feel good about himself and he's not in a good place. He goes into the match, what happens? He loses, right? He loses. Why? Not because he's not, um, not because he doesn't have the skill, not because he's not superior than his opponent. Because he concentrate. Yeah, his, he was in a negative emotional space, which totally affected how he was able to perform. Okay, so that's the parable that the Tanya gives. Now, translate. Our godly soul is superior to our animal soul, okay? It should always win. The problem is, is that if we are in a negative emotional space, if we aren't healthy, if we aren't positive, if we don't have joy, then we will be defeated, okay? So we, our godly soul will not be able to execute effectively because emotionally we are not there, okay? So a lot of what we're gonna address right now is the necessity for joy, okay? Simcha is a very important concept, okay? Joy is a very important concept. 
foundation. This cannot be argued. Anything that you do, if you do with joy, will be done better. Okay? No matter what, hands down. If you have an obligation, if you have even your job, taking care of your kids, anything you do, you can either do because you have to, and it's an obligation and you're not super into it, or you might even be negative about it, or you can do it with joy. When you do something with joy, hands down, it will be done better, right? So whether it's wrestling or serving God, if you do it with joy, it will be done better, right? So we obviously, our goal is to serve God in the best possible way. So that means that we need to be able to serve God with joy because we want to give God our best. And if we're not serving God with joy, we're not giving him our best. Okay. So in order to serve Hashem properly, we need to have that joy. Now I want to digress for a minute and just talk about the concept of joy in our current life and how our current um, at, like our current dynamics and, and how the world out there sees joy. And we need to make a differentiation because nowadays joy can become an idol. Okay. What do I mean by that? Few things. First of all, people can justify, people want to justify their actions, right? We all do it. We want to know that we're doing, we're okay. And we're doing things that we're supposed to be doing. And sometimes we know we're doing something we shouldn't be doing, but we want to justify it. Um, people justify their behavior by saying, that's what makes me happy, right? What should I say? It makes me happy, right? That is not the kind of joy we're talking about, right? Um, joy cannot be a be all end all. Our goal cannot be joy. That's what makes joy an idol. If the end game is joy, if the value of the thing is the thing itself, that's, that's an idol. A joy has to be a means to an end. Okay. Joy is so that we can serve God in a wonderful way, because then we serve God better. So we're not on the pursuit of joy for joy itself. Okay. We are in the pursuit of joy because that's what makes things better. Right now. Um, only God is just is because he is right. Nothing else can fall under that category. So anything else, everything else, whether it's money, whether it's joy, whether it's power, whether it's status, all those things are only important in relation to your service of God. Okay. So joy is very important because everything you do is better with joy. So can you serve God without joy? Yes. Yes. You can serve God without joy, um, but not very well, right? It's not going to be your best service. It's not, and it's probably also won't last won't be sustainable because nobody wants to be miserable. Nobody wants to do something that doesn't make them happy and it doesn't have happy involved in it, right? Like nobody really stays in a dead end job for very long, right? So that's why our goal 
is to be able to get to a place where we're not only serving God because we know it's the right thing to do. We're serving God because we, we, it, it's, it's who we are and what we want to do. And we serve him with joy. We serve him with all of our best emotions. Okay. Because when you're in a state of joy, your energy is flowing, right? When you're in a state of sadness, you're stuck, right? It's, you don't have a flow of energy, right? Um, so if your value of service of Hashem, if you value your serve, if you really value your service of God, you're going to need joy. Not for the intrinsic value of joy, but for the value that it brings to your service of Hashem. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, so chapter 26 deals with two main categories of sadness, okay? It's very broad, but really, if you think about it, it all falls under to these, these two main categories. We're gonna talk about material problems that bring sadness and spiritual problems that bring sadness. Okay, we are actually not even gonna be finishing chapter 26 today. We're gonna do half of the chapter today and address the material problems. Those come first because the altar was very smart and he knows that we bump up against those way more than we bump up against feeling sad about our spiritual problems, right? Most of us walk around feeling very sad about our physical problems and sometimes about our spiritual problems. Next class, we'll talk about how the Tanya deals with feeling sad about our spiritual problems, okay? So today we're gonna focus on our material problems. Now, within these two categories, so we have material problems that can bring sadness and spiritual problems that can bring sadness. In the material category, sadness comes from three main subjects, um, family, health, and money, right? Um, what's it called? Um, life, livelihood. So if you think about any of the things that are causing you stress in your life, it's going to fall into one of those categories. It's either something to do with your family, something to do with your health or something to do with your livelihood. Okay. So we are going to deal with what happens when we are bumping up against a depression or a sadness because of a material problem that's in our way, an obstacle, a struggle. Okay, so there's um, there's a very many different methods. Even within Hasidus, there's many different methods to deal with our material challenges. We are going to talk about one of them here. So it's not uh, an all-inclusive solution, right? It might not be everything for you. You might need a couple other tools to, to, to work with this as well, but it's definitely a foundational start. Okay. So, um, what our goal is, is to address our spiritual problems to the point where you can cleanse yourself from any trace of worry. This is a high goal. Okay. Um, because one second, because to live a life without any trace of worry takes a lot of faith and a lot of trust and it's hard to get there. Yes. You have a quick question? Yes. <clears throat> what you're uh, covering right now is physical disabilities, let's say a part yeah, of that health. under health. That's part of the, uh, what do you call Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yes. Because there's many people who are going to bump up against 
physical disabilities that are not or or making it harder for them to in their service of God, right? Um, or seemingly making it harder. Now, um, we're going to, our foundation is going to be from the Gemara. So this is not even, we're going to expound on it through Hasidus, through for, with Hasidic philosophy, but the foundation is Gemara, which is the basis of all Jewish tradition, okay? So Gemara says, the Talmud, everything Hashem does is, is good. Everything Hashem does is good. Full stop. Okay? Now, um, full stop. Now, before you ask me all these questions about suffering in the world, let me tell you this. This is not a, the way we address global issues and problems within somebody else. This is only a method that you use with to look at your own life and your own situations. So if you see somebody suffering, it is not your place or your job to say to them, don't worry, everything Hashem does is good, right? This is to look at your own struggles. And when you're dealing with your own problems, this is the method that you can use, right? And I like to use this example that I actually um, did a podcast episode for. Have you ever heard of the podcast? Uh, uh, holy, what's it called? The Tanya Project. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blinking in the name. But this is what I talked about is that we all have our mail, right? We open up our mail. It's only for us. It, it belongs to us. And we have to deal with how we're going to deal with our mail. So same thing, like you cannot open up somebody else's mail and own it and tell them, don't worry, everything Hashem does is for good. It's not your mail. Okay, it's not your package. You can only deal with your package. So everything we're discussing here is only relevant to your own challenges. So why does God, how could God have done the Holocaust? Not relevant in this discussion, right? Um, we don't know the answer to that. We're dealing with our own struggles. So everything Hashem does is good. Um, Okay, so let's say our brain can compute that, right? Let's say that we can understand how um, everything Hashem does is good. Because you know what? We actually are pretty knowledgeable at this point, right? We're in chapter 26 of Tanya. We understand how the world works to a, to a basic level. We know that Hashem, you know, only does good, right? We know that... Um, what the purpose of this world is, what our purpose is, right? So in our brain, that makes sense to us, but we need to be able to feel it emotionally, okay? So we wanna understand the mechanics of this. When we say everything Hashem does is good, well, we're kind of saying, okay, prove it. Prove it and tell us how that works. Tell us practically, physically, I wanna know the steps. Right, and that's where Hasidus is gonna take the Gemara and it's gonna tell us how mechanically, practically this actually makes sense and this actually is reality. Because saying something and believing it is one thing, but understanding it and being able to apply it to your life is another thing. And this is hopefully what we're gonna accomplish right now, okay? So, um, there are Ba like basically, okay, obviously there's way more dimensions, but if we're going to break up the world 
into different dimensions. There's four dimensions of reality. Okay. We talked about this briefly, four worlds, right? Um, I think I even typed it in here once. Atsilas, Bria, Yetzira, and Asiya, right? Um, they correspond to the four letters of God's name. At the end of the class, I will write those down for you, okay? At the end of the class, I'll write them down. Um, Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey. Okay, that's the letters of one. The letters of one of the main uh, main God's name that we use. Okay, so four letters, four worlds. Okay, so and it actually like it's really cool because it kind of corresponds to like the actual letter. So like Yud, right? Yud is a little short stick, little short stick, right? That's that tells us that the first world is like this condensed code of God, right? It's still very, very, very potent. Um, then we have hey, which is like open, right? Um, and that is expansiveness, right? So we're trying, we're starting to develop this unique godly co code, right? Then we have vav, which is a longer stick, which is like the pipeline from which this energy draws down through. And then we end with another hey, which is another, once this energy is drawn through, then we have another expansion, right? That flushes out godliness into the last worlds, okay? And you can even split up the first two worlds are, is like the hidden dimension because it's very, very, very concealed. And then the last two worlds are the revealed dimension. And the physical world that we live in is at the end of the last two worlds of the revealed dimension. Okay, so in our perspective, we're experiencing reality in the lowest world. We, we did address this in the last couple chapters, right? When we were talking about the unity of God. Um, so, but we're experiencing reality in the lowest level. Is that the fifth, the fifth Four, world? The end of the fourth world. Oh, we're the fourth. Okay. Yes, the yes. bottom, bottom of the fourth world. Um, so when we are asked to describe our reality, what are we going to say? We're going to describe something physical, right? Because it, our reality is physicality, even though, as we know, that's not really reality. Spirituality is the real reality, which is just covered up by the physical reality. But being that we live in a physical world with a physical reality, our reality is physical. You with me? Any questions so far? Okay, we're gonna go through this and then if there's questions, let me know, okay? Because we really wanna understand this concept. Everything starts in the spiritual realm and comes down, okay? So anything that's manifested in this world originated in the higher worlds, originated in spirituality, everything. Even a table, a chair, food, right? Everything was originated in the higher world and is manifested down here in a physical form. Okay. So what is good? What is good? Good is a subjective term, right? Depending on what you like. What's good for you is not necessarily what's good for you. It's not necessarily what's good for me, right? Good is a very subjective term. It's a very physical, subjective reality, right? So when you ask a five-year-old what's good, right? It's going to be very different for when you ask an adult, right? So, and Chase Tab gives this really good example of like, um, at, like asking a kid where they, what's the, where they want to eat for dinner at a restaurant. So most kids are going to like, like the basic greasy, delicious, 
pizza, right? Um, greasy, whatever. And an adult will like, usually will like like the um, fancy artisanal, you know, pizza with like fancy goat cheese and whatever. Like we have more sophisticated taste, right? Um, we're like the little kids, right? We don't have very refined taste. Down here, for us, what's good is what's, what, what looks good. What's revealed good is what looks good. It's not very refined, right? We want good, we want it to feel good to us, right? So the truth is that everything that happens is good. We just don't necessarily relate to its goodness, right? In fact, the stuff that we don't relate to is usually even better, right? If you choose a really greasy, soggy slice of pizza to like a delicious gourmet meal, maybe the five-year-old, you know, likes the pizza better, but inherently, inherently the, the more curated fancy food is better, right? It's just a matter of the, of where you are. If you have, if you have sophisticated taste or very simple taste, right? And there's even a better story that I like, which I use all the time. I might've even mentioned it before, but let's say it's actually a very good analogy for today because today's my daughter Hanalea's fourth birthday. Um, and they have like, you ask them what they want for their birthday, right? So let's say I asked Hanalea what she wants for her birthday and she wants, um, she doesn't play with toys. She doesn't do any of that stuff. She wants like chapstick and like a purse and dress up shoes, okay? This is what she wants, right? So you make a birthday party, you wrap up presents and in your head, you're thinking, you know what? Like, I really love my daughter very much. She wants these presents. They're not very valuable. I'm gonna give her something more valuable, okay? So it's time to open up the presents and you, you wrap it up in a big box and she opens a present and there's nothing in there. She finds an envelope and in the envelope is a $50,000 check. Is your child gonna be happy? She's gonna throw a tantrum. A piece of paper? You gave me a piece of paper for my birthday? And you're like, no, no, no. This is a $50,000 check. This is gonna be an investment for the future. This is, this is what is gonna get you through college. This is gonna support you. Don't you get it? And she's like, what the heck? Where's my dress up shoes? Like, I don't want this piece of paper. It means nothing to her, okay? What is more valuable? What is better? The $50,000 check is hands down better and more valuable, inherently greater, more useful. Everything about it is better. The problem is, is that a four-year-old or a five-year-old is not mature enough or developed enough to understand that, okay? So when we have revealed good in this world, it is like we're getting the dress-up shoes, okay? We have to view ourselves as unsophisticated five-year-olds. We want revealed good. We want the dress-up shoes. We want it to feel good. We want it to look good. That's what we want. When God gives us a challenge, it is really a $50,000 check. But to our eyes, it doesn't look that way. You know why? Because that challenge, 
that struggle that originated up in the higher realms, what happened was, is that it didn't go through all those, um, met all those coverings to make it look good for us in this world. It went straight from on high down below. So when we engage in those challenges, it is engaging with a much higher level of God. It's just that this challenge forgot to go through all those levels to make it a, to make it a, a dress up shoe, to make it look like a dress up shoe. So when we are facing a challenge, if we can reframe the challenge and we tell ourselves that this is an opportunity of connection, everything that Hashem does is good. It might not feel good. It might not look good to us because we have very unsophisticated taste. But if we now know, if we have the knowledge that it is good, and while we're going through this challenge, we are connecting to God and serving him, it might make the world of a difference. But the important thing, a step that has to happen first is very important. The important step is you have to ask yourself a question. And this question is a very blunt question, okay? And it's an essential question because if you don't ask yourself this question, then none of this means anything. The question is, would you rather, what are, basically it's what are your priorities? Would you rather have an easy, pleasurable life or would you have, or would you rather have a life of closeness to Hashem? what it boils down to. You have to be able to answer that question. If you say you'd rather have an easy life, then nothing we said is going to help you, right? Nothing we said is going to make any sense to you because that's not your priority. It's not a value for you. Connecting to Hashem is not a value. So of course you want to have an easy life. But you're all here, right? As a Jew, inherently, we want to connect to Hashem, whether we notice it or not. If you can ask yourself that question, and if you can think deeply about what is it really that I want? Do I want connection to God? Or do I want a life free of challenges? And I want it to be easy. And I want it, I want no, no obstacles in our way. You can even, by the way, you can even take God out of it, right? A life without obstacles easy life, but you're not getting much out of it, right? The good stuff is when you hit against the wall, right? So this is a fundamental question. Now, if you answer that question, right? Nobody can answer that question for you. And by the way, it's okay. If your answer to that question is if you want an easy life, that's great. Don't look for answers in here, right? Because these, these troubleshooting um, uh, ideas that we're going to have are, is only going to work if your goal is connection. Okay. Okay. Well, let's have it. We have a question. Okay. How is that in line with the thinking that Hashem wants us to have a good life? Is that true? I think it is absolutely hundred percent true. The question is, 
how do you get to that good life? And what does good life mean? Right? Does good life mean that you just coast and everything is easy and you don't have to push yourself? Or does good life mean in order to get to the real good stuff, you got to go through challenges? Right? Like even in, in the secular world, right? If you're just coasting, if you're not challenging yourself or in the gym, remember we talked about in the gym, if you just want to do the easy stuff, you're not going to get results. Is that good? I would substitute that word with easy. I, w- I don't think good and easy are synonymous, right? So absolutely Hashem wants us to have a good life. How do we get there? What does that mean to have a good life? Right? Those are the questions we need to ask ourselves. So if we ask the question and you say, okay, we are- we want our cake and we want to eat it too, right? Really, we want to have a good life and we want it to be easy, right? We don't want to work so hard. We're going to address that question at the end. But um, if we say, yes, I want to have connection. So when you're going through a challenge, right? And it's hard, but you can tell yourself, okay, reframe, reframe, reframe. What is my goal in life? It's connection to Hashem. And I know that a challenge is going to bring me closer to Hashem. Guess what happens? You let go of the suffering. And I want to lead you into another concept of um, um, the other concept I want to lead you to is the concept of pain. Okay, Um, pain is not an emotion. Pain is a sensation. Pain is like, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm in pain, okay? You cannot avoid pain. It's a a automatic response, right? So what I'm telling you is not that you're, this is gonna stop you from feeling pain. That's not gonna happen. Pain is gonna happen. We will feel pain and we should, and we should feel pain and we should, and we should, and we should be in the moment of understanding why we feel pain, but what's going to happen is that, so, right. So pain is a stimulus response. You cannot control that. Right. But what you can control is the stories that you tell yourself and the judgment that you have around the pain. Okay. So when you have a perspective that your challenge is actually an enormous opportunity for connection to Hashem, you will still feel pain. I'm not going to tell you that's going to make you not feel any pain. You will feel pain, but you will not suffer. Okay. It's like a marathon runner, right? When they're crossing the finish line, are they in pain? Yes. Are they suffering? They're thrilled. They're happy. They accomplished this huge feat. So pain is not synonymous with sadness. We need to understand that, right? Pain is not sadness and joy is not happiness. But you're talking about physical pain here. Physical pain. Physical pain and emotional pain. Oh, and emotional pain. And emotional pain. Absolutely. So you can be in a situation that is causing you emotional pain, right? But what's the difference between pain and suffering? Pain is understanding and feeling that this is a stimulus response to a very hard situation. Suffering is when we get stuck, when we tell ourselves stories, when we're worried about the future, when we're scared about the past, when we can't let go of the past, that's suffering. 
That's what's in our, suffering is in our, in our control, pain is not. Okay, remember when I told you that Tanya is like ultimate, ultimate self-help 101? This is, this is what we're talking about here, right? So we are not gonna be able to ever avoid pain, right? If something, if something is painful in our life, it's painful, but we can avoid suffering. We can avoid the paths that pain could take us down if we don't take control. And the control that we're going to take is when we are um, put against a challenge, we have to recognize that this is a challenge, that this is hard, it doesn't feel good, right? And we feel pain. But then we also recognize that everything Hashem does is good. So that means that this challenge is just a super potent expression of God that didn't go through all those um, concealments. And that is why I can't see it as good. But when I am going through it, I am connecting to God on a level that is not possible with revealed good. Now, so when we're suffering, we're connecting. When we are su- what when we're in pain, we're connecting. Okay. Not, when, when, not we're, when we're suffering. Not well. When we're suffering, that is in our control. That's when we let the pain get the best of us, right? Oh. When we're in pain, we are we are we are in service of Hashem. If we're controlling the suffering part, right? So when. So I, I'm sure most, a lot of you are thinking in your head, you know, so what are we supposed to ask for challenges if it's better? No, because Hashem does want us to like not go through life in a miserable state. We are supposed to ask for revealed good because we want revealed good because we are humans and it feels better and God wants us to feel good. So we're never supposed to ask for, we're not supposed to go to Shul and Davin, please Hashem, pile on the challenges, right? That's not how Judaism works. But what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to ask for revealed good, but when Hashem sends a challenge on on our path, then we're supposed to be like, okay, I know that this challenge is an opportunity for me to connect and embrace God in a way that's not possible in any other way. But when we are in pain, we are suffering. No. Suffering. No. How can I have sadness, right? Just, just as I proved to you with the marathon runner. It doesn't have to be. When you're in pain, that's a stimulus response. It doesn't have to lead to an emotion. And it doesn't have to lead to a negative emotion. It could lead to a positive emotion. Pain can lead to very many positive things. That's the part that's in your control. The suffering comes from the stories that we tell us. The suffering comes from, I'm never gonna get better, right? The suffering comes from, you can come in. The suffering comes from, um, I can't do this, right? The suffering comes from, I'm overwhelmed. That's the suffering. But if you recognize that that stuff is from Hashem, you recognize that this is a connection point, not a breaking point. Okay, so pain is going to be pain. We're going to feel pain, right? We're going to have a challenge. If you're having pain in your health, if you're having emotional pain with your children, that's pain. The suffering is is when you say, "That's it. I give up." Uh, this the 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 suffering that my child, the pain that my child is causing me, is going to make me dysfunctional, depressed. I can't get out of bed. It's too much. That suffering, that's in our control. Remember, not clinical depression. That's a different thing that needs to be addressed 
medically because that's a medical rewiring of the brain. Okay, we're talking about situational depression. So that's what is so important to differentiate and understand. Pain does not have to equal sadness or suffering. Okay, and so when we can, when we hit, remember, what are we talking about here? We're talking about material challenges that's going to derail us from the path that we want to be on to get to a Bainani. So let's say we're on this path and a really big challenge comes in our way and it, and it, it's, it, it could have the, the, uh, the, the opportunity to derail us. But if we reframe and we tell ourselves that a challenge is only an opportunity for connection, it's good. Yes, it doesn't feel good. Yes, I don't necessarily look at it as good, but I know it's good because I know the mechanics of how this works. Now we have the information. We know the mechanics of how it is good. It's not just something that we're believing and we're saying without the knowledge. We know how it works now. It makes sense, right? It's the $50,000 check against the, 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 the dress-up shoe, right? We get it. We understand it. We just have to be able to translate that into an emotion and not let pain take us down a path of suffering and depression. So when we hit a material challenge, we, I know, you know, it's very important that we feel our feelings and we don't squash the things that we feel. That's the pain, right? The pain is allowing us to say, this is hard. This is difficult. It hurts. It hurts. But I know that this is an opportunity for me for connection. And remember that this is not something that we put on others, right? You can't go to someone and say, this is how you need to do it. This is something that we do for ourselves. It's our own personal journey. When we're going through a challenge, when we're suffering, when we are financially destitute, when we're suffering with our health, when our children aren't giving us the joy that we want them to give us, that's when we tell ourselves, okay, this is a connection point. I can feel pain. This is hard. It hurts, but I don't have to suffer. And I know that if I employ the right tools, I can move through this and be stronger and have a better connection to God that when that was ever possible before. Okay. And that's the first half of chapter 26. Now, um, if you were to ask, can we have, can we get the higher good and experience it as revealed good? Can we get this higher good, right? This super, super like undiluted gift from God. Can, but can we experience it as good? Meaning, can we have our cake and eat it too? Right? Yes. And the answer is yes, yes. When Mashiach comes. Oh, okay. Yes, when Mashiach comes. This is what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. We're going to be able to have the most fantastic, fabulous connection, high-level connection with God, and it will feel like an amazing gift. Now, there are, um, you could tap into to that feeling in this world um, very uniquely, and, and, and I don't have all the details on how that works. It, so I'm just gonna say that is possible, but in general, if you wanna have your cake and eat it too, that's gonna be in the times of Mashiach. And that is one of the reasons why we pray for it every day, because we wanna have revealed good that gives us that connection with God that concealed good can give us. Okay. The time, can I ask you something? At yes. the time, at the time that we're having that challenge, 
that you're talking about and the pain. Um, are we connecting at that time with God? Yes. That's, is that what's happening? Yeah. If yes, absolutely. If you're staying in a place of pain and not depression and suffering. Mm. Okay. So it's like, again, with the marathon runner, I think it's a very good metaphor. So while the, while this marathon runner is running the race, is she in pain? Yes. Does she have to push really hard past her boundaries, past anything she ever thinks she could imagine? Yes. Is she, is she running the race? Yes. If she would succumb to her pain, right. And if she would let it control her, she'd, she'd give up. She'd stop the race. She'd bow out. Right. If you're running the race and you're still in it to win it, you're serving God. Okay. All right. So any questions before we go on to our meditation? Next week, we're going to address what we do with our spiritual challenges when we feel depressed because of something spiritual, which is mainly guilt, right? Guilt for not doing something we should have done or being who we want to be, whatever. That will be next class. But um, okay, if you don't have any uh, glaring questions, we'll go into our meditation and then I will ask you after meditation if there's something that you need clarification on. Okay. Please don't or forget to write the world, the four yes. worlds. Let me do that. You know, yeah. while you're meditating, I'm going to do that. Okay. Thank you. All right. Take a deep breath. Um, in through your nose, out through your mouth. Just focus on the natural rhythm of your breath, okay? Don't try to do anything that, that works against you. Um, in through your nose, out through your mouth. I want you to imagine this beautiful bright light um, shining into your body and melting any tension or any stress that you might have within you and just let it melt it away. Try to visualize that, even if it's not happening in real time, visualize it and then observe. How does that make you feel? Do you feel lighter? Do you feel like energy flow? Remember we talked about if you have joy, your energy's flowing, or do you still feel stuck? Okay. Bring your attention to these few thoughts I want you to take home with you. So to win the war against the impulse to evil, okay, to stay on this path that we learned that on chapter one through 25, right? We need to be able to rise above our sadness and bring joy into our life. So 
even obstacles, material obstacles that involve your family, your health, your finances, when you understand that they come from God, right? And you don't resist them and you accept them for what they are, an opportunity for connection. You will not get depressed. You will not get stuck and you will be on that path of service of Hashem. So pain, in fact, connects you to Hashem more deeply because it just, it, it's ripping through all those worlds, right? It's getting, it's coming from directly from God, right? Because that challenge is directly from God that doesn't have any manifestation in the, in the physical world as good. And that is very, very powerful. So remember, we want to serve Hashem with joy. Why? Because everything you do is better with joy. So when you come across a challenge, and you can tell yourself that this is an opportunity for connection, you will still be able to serve God with joy. And that is the main message of this chapter or half of the chapter. Okay, so sit with that for a minute. Slowly bring your attention back to your breath, in through your nose, out through your mouth. Become more aware of the smells, sensations, sounds around you. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. Okay, how are we feeling? Any questions? Okay, good. Well, awesome, awesome class, guys. Um, next week, we'll finish the other half of chapter 26, okay? So we're still in chapter 26. We're going to address our spiritual problems, i.e. guilt, which is huge. Um, and um, I'm excited for that. So um, we are on for next week. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've not been super consistent, but I think we're doing pretty good for a summer, right? Um, and God willing, next week, I will be here barring any other extenuating circumstances. Um, and thank you so much. And we'll see you. When Have will you day. Be, uh, 